0: And right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Get 50% off right now at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks.
1: Welcome to Shrink Chicks. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists and owners of the therapy group. We're on a mission to make therapy and therapeutic topics more relatable and accessible. So stay tuned, because in order to grow yourself,
0: you gotta know yourself.
1: Hi, Jen. Hi, Em. How are you today? i'm doing well i'm caffeinated you know i feel like that's always my answer i'm caffeinated you have a cute dog you have a cute dog you have a cute cat behind you <laughs> we're confused about our animals today i know isn't she the best yeah she's the best well my dog had to get a toe amputated this week so like things are crazy oh tell everyone about the joke you were gonna make that <laughs> aaron said you couldn't make at the vet.
0: <laughs> okay so my dog had to get his toe amputated so my dog went in for like, just, like surgery they said he had like an ingrown hair he wouldn't leave it alone Goes in for surgery. And then this is like a Tuesday, like 7.30. He goes in for surgery. At 12 o'clock, the surgeon calls us and was like, you guys need to come in. We have to amputate his toe. We want to show you what's going on and why. Okay. So we go in. I'm like freaking out. But before we even get there, my husband stops me and goes, Emily, I know you're going to make a toe joke when we get in there. Don't do it. And the toe joke, because my daughter has extra toes. Now my dog has a less toe. And he knew. He knows me very, very well. He's like, you, I know that you're really anxious. You're going to make a joke. This is, like, how you operate. So we get in there, like, on the floor with the dog. They go through everything. We make this decision to amputate the toe. And then I look at the surgeon. I'm like, you know, my husband doesn't want me to do this. (laughs) And Aaron's just like, Jesus Christ. And I'm like, I'm like, but, you know, our daughter's got an
1: extra one. She can share (laughs) It was probably like,
0: oh, I no. like
1: this. It's like it's like, you know, you know, when your dad's going to make a joke, it's like a dad joke where the waiter comes over and they're like, how was everything? Yes. And their plates clean. And they're like, oh, I hated it. Like, can't it's- you tell? And you're just like, oh, shit, white people for say it? Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> You're like, let's blow this popsicle stand. Or like, you know, like, <laughs> wait, what's another shit? Why people say it's like uh, when a line comes behind you and they're like, I "Guess we got here at the right time." Yes, yes. That's <laughs> so true. So we had a little bit of a, a wild week, but um, here we are. It's
1: the start of the new year. Huh? How's how's Murphy doing?
0: So here's the issue is Murphy is a huge dog. If you've never seen him before, we'll put up uh, pictures of his head compared to Jen's. He's massive (laughs) and really big dogs typically get arthritis in their back hips. So usually when he stands up, he puts his weight on his front um, paws and he can't do that. So we, he's been getting carried like the prince that he is um, and needs a lot of support. So but hopefully in about two weeks, they said he'll be healed up.
1: Oh, good. OK. Yeah. Dinosaur talent. Yeah,
0: he does look like a, he does. It looks like a hawk talent. But watching mm-hmm. your pets get older is. I can't. Horrific.
1: I can't. We had a whole com- a, like mental health conversation about yeah, pets. We, we were talking about after this. this I mean, and deep... I
0: said Murphy has been there through every miscarriage, through my yeah. entire um, infertility process. And he has been, like, my one stable. And the idea yeah. of him not being here, like, I would spend a million dollars oh. on this dog. I can't. I can't
1: even think, think about Murphy not being there.
0: <laughs> I mean, think about it. From, like, he was in... The office I from know. our
1: very first
0: location. I know. He used to curl up under my desk. Remember yeah. that? Yes, he loved. He loved my your desk. desk.
1: He was always in the office. Yeah, he's such a sweetheart. I know. Oh, I know. God. So I'm glad he's doing better. I
0: know. We're here. We're finishing up. Finally, at the end of some of theirs. We wanted to do end of the year catch ups on dear M and Jen's. Here we are. But before we start, move we really quick. What competition reality show would you each go on? From Steph, Steph wants to know. Um, nothing. We are the least competitive people in the world. I was
1: just going to say, <laughs> nothing athletic. <laughs> no, But like, I couldn't even do like a fear factor or anything. No, but I could do like, you know, if I was single, maybe The Bachelor. I would just give Dude, everyone you know what
0: we would have been great at? What? Oh, my God. I hate to mention it, but whatever Donald Trump's show was. Oh, The Apprentice. The Apprentice. Were you like, because mm. it was business plans.
1: Yeah. Actually, I don't know. I would have cried so much. I would, Probably. would not have I mean, been able I mean, to handle that.
0: Let me be really clear. This is not a Donald Trump endorsement. He still his yeah, yeah. shit. But, um,
1: but I don't know. I think we might have been good at that. Yeah, hard to say. Hard there's to... nothing else we would have been good at. That's for sure. No. Survivor, I would have been dead. I would have been the first one dead. Immediate. <laughs> immediate death. I always say if there's like an apocalypse, just like count me out. Yeah, we're done. Like i one surviving. thing we can do is a business. That's true therapy people need therapy that's why i said the bachelor because i would just go on the bachelor No, would give everyone therapy i wouldn't even care about like winning
0: you just get all the girls to like you
1: no just like give the girls therapy. like they really everyone needs i mean it's a really everyone is really emotional in that show what if there was a therapy reality show
0: oh okay we have too many things to get to today I'm sorry I oh, need to forever. shut the fuck up um okay Let's get going because we're still catching up on all these. Let's
1: start us off with Dear M and Jen. It's a really long one, so bear yeah. with us. You ready? Dear M and Jen. I have a really close friend group of four other women. We're all in our twenties, experiencing different life stages. One of my friends is in her early twenties and is currently dating a man in his mid forties. Originally, we were a little bit concerned about the age gap, but understood that it was not our place to judge and tried to be supportive. However, over time, it became clear that the relationship was not healthy. He parties a lot, does recreational drugs frequently. Our friend, who used to be more reserved and was never much of a partier now regularly goes to strip clubs with him, goes to parties, and drinks and. does certain drugs way more than she used to. She even started saying she thought she was bisexual now because her boyfriend told her how attractive he found it. She also talks about how low her self-esteem is now because he's still sleeping with other people and she feels like her only value is the sexuality that she brings to the relationship. She likes to play off of the seriousness of their relationship by saying it's just a friends with benefits situation, but we can see the differences in her. On top of all of that, she now lives in his house most nights, except for those where he tells her he has another woman coming over, so she needs to leave. More recently, she has stopped showing up for friends events. And when she does show up, she comes late or leaves early. She doesn't check in as much and we're worried about her mental health, self-esteem and selfishly, a little bit worried about the fact that she doesn't seem to have the bandwidth to be much of a friend to any of us anymore. She started lying. And has betrayed the trust of several people in the group. We tried to talk to her about it in a safe space where we just asked her how she was doing. And we shared that we felt distant and were concerned that we hadn't seen her as much. And she responded really well. She even cried and said that she wants to get out of her relationship. And it's been causing the distance between us and that she's unhappy with him. But it's been a few weeks. And since then, we found out she told mutual friends that we attacked her and told her that she was a terrible friend, which never happened. She told these mutual friends that we, her friends who have known her for 10 plus years, didn't understand and that her boyfriend was the only one who understood her. When we talked to her, she had only asked that she let us know how we could help. And we told her we loved her and that we just wanted to see her more often and to see her happy. It doesn't seem like this message got across. Now we're thinking about distancing ourselves because she's becoming more and more defensive and she's begun lying to our mutual friends about all of us. Does it make us terrible friends to think about ending the friendship? How do you help someone who's not ready to be helped? Wow. So it's such a bigger question, right? They're like these, you know, the
0: questions that you're really asking, which is how do you help someone who's not ready to be helped can be applied to a lot of situations. Yeah. And so it's interesting, you know, it makes a lot of sense that they feel like they had this really vulnerable conversation together and then the person pulled away. And that is very common to happen where someone like opens up and then it was like almost too raw and vulnerable. And so they have to attack right, go on the offense in some way because that's self-protective nature. So the question is, right, how do you help someone who's not ready to be helped? Yeah. And one of the ways we do that is also is is when it becomes difficult, right? Because you say to yourself, well, how much harm is this causing me? Yeah. If there's a lot of harm that's caused to you, then, yes, of course, you want to safely distance. If there's not a ton of harm that is being caused to you, how do you let this person know you're there for whenever it's done? Yeah. And I will say this. It's common that sometimes you help someone get out of, I'm not saying this is an abusive situation. I don't know enough detail here. But if you get someone out of an abusive situation, if they then distance themselves from you because you almost know too much.
1: Yeah. I think it's oftentimes, too, when someone is an unhealthy, in an unhealthy relationship, part of them knows it, right? But part of them feels also feels really stuck in it or feels, um, you know, this pull towards it. And so there can be a lot of shame in that that they hold. And so, you know, as her friends who really see this, right, from the outside to say like, hey, this, you know, it doesn't seem like you're as happy. It seems like this may be an unhealthy relationship. And you're highlighting a part to your friend um, that they might know deep down, but if they accept that part of themselves, then it also means that they have to accept that they are in a relationship or they've accepted a relationship that isn't healthy for them. And And that also means acknowledging the shame that comes with that and the embarrassment that might come with that. And those feelings are sometimes so heavy and so overwhelming that it's easier to push your friends away and to stay in this unhealthy situation than to acknowledge that fact.
0: You know, they ask this other question. Is, Does it doesn't make us terrible friends to think about any of the friendship. No, nothing. Thinking about anything doesn't make you terrible for the record. Like your thoughts are not actions. So like it's normal to think about anything. um, And thoughts don't make us bad people. Thoughts just happen because we're feeling something big. And so also I want to say like you're allowed to be angry. You're allowed to be angry at the situation. You're allowed to be angry that the dynamic with this friend who you probably love and cherish has changed. Um, You are allowed to be angry that you tried to reach out and they're not responsive. You're allowed to be angry that you're, you know, seeing somebody in a potentially dangerous situation. But one of the things we have to remember is we cannot see a future for someone that they can't see for themselves. So if we say you'll meet someone else, they'll be better people can't hear that in a situation. And the hardest part, right, is that you are part of this relationship too. That you have feelings around this.
1: I think, you know, one thing that I think might be really important um because it is evident that this is hurting you and that this is painful. And I think if if you're making the choice to protect yourself by distancing um you can always reach out and say, listen, like this has been really, the distance has been really hard for me, but I want you to know that no matter what, if you called me tomorrow and said, I need help getting out of this, or I need your support, that I will be there for you. And it might be the case that that doesn't happen. And it might be the case that you create distance in order to take care of yourselves. But if this person is, In a really unhealthy relationship that they're really having trouble getting out of, for them to know that they're not alone, even with that distance, I think is really essential. Because sometimes, once again, we don't know if this is an abusive relationship. We're only hearing it, you know, um, down at grapevine. But in really emotionally abusive relationships, it's it's common that the person will isolate their partner from people around them, and. So if that's the case for you to be able to say like, I'm here no matter what, like if you need me and if you need help, I will be there for you. Um, But it might be the case that right now your relationship can't look like it once did with them because of the relationship that they're in. But that doesn't mean that you'll never be friends with them again. That doesn't mean you're going away. That doesn't mean you're cutting them off. If there were people like people in my life, right, who I haven't talked to in a while, because of like life circumstances that they they went through. If they ever came to me like five years later and said like, "Hey, I'm like really unhappy, and I really need your help," um, I know we haven't talked in a while. I would be there in two seconds.
0: So would I. But is that because we're therapists? Like, obviously, like I'm not fucking sure. Hard same. Reach out to me. I
1: will help you. But
0: do you think that is because of who we are?
1: Maybe. But I, yeah, I mean, I think that. Well, I think about my younger self and I I don't know if my younger self would have done the same, but I hope that I would have, you know, like uh, only because I understand the nuances of. But when I was in college and my friends would like date someone shitty, I would be mad. I I mean, I was in a shitty relationship and people were mad at me. Yes.
0: Right. Because you like. It's so hard to watch someone doing self-destructive behavior.
1: Right. So now, but now as a therapist. Of
0: course, you know now.
1: You understand the nuances. And I guess that's why, hopefully you're listening to this episode. Well, this person said in their 20s. Yeah. So, but that, so listen, listen to this episode, because what we want to say is that like, there are a lot of nuances that come with abusive, unhealthy relationships. It usually takes people, what's the, what's the stat? Nine times. Seven Seven to nine nine. times, seven to nine, yeah, it's like seven to nine times getting out of an abusive relationship. That's how hard it is. And so uh, from the outside, it might be easier to be like, well, why don't you just leave that? Like, clearly it's unhealthy for you. Clearly you're pushing all your friends away. Now you're lying about us, right? Like, why don't you just get out of that relationship? Yeah. It is really difficult, like really intelligent, you know, self-aware emotionally, you know, mature people get into abusive relationships, and it's hard for them to get out All of it. The time. And so I just want to validate that. And just to help you understand the nuances and how challenging it is, at times to get out of a really abusive, emotionally abusive, physically abusive relationship, it's not as easy as it seems from the outside. No. So So that's why I say like right now, if there was anyone who ever came to me after years of like pushing their friends away, it almost feels like an addict, you know, like that you see someone who maybe is struggling with addiction and when they're struggling with addiction, you know, you're like, well, why are you doing this to yourself? Like clearly could get help. Here's all the help that you could get. And if they're not ready, they're not ready. But if they come to you five years later and they say, like, I'm ready to get help. I realize all of these things and all of my actions because of that.
0: So also what you're saying is back off and let them come to you.
1: Yeah. And that's the same
0: thing with addiction is like how much you can't you're going to resent the person if you keep offering help that they don't take. Yeah. As opposed to stepping back, taking care of yourself and your own feelings and letting them come when they're ready.
1: And I think you can say, and that's why I think reaching out and saying, right, as opposed to moving towards the anger and listen, you're entitled to feel angry if they're lying about you, if they're talking, I am not saying don't feel angry. However, to also hold that in the sense of like being in a a relationship like that is really hard to get out of. And she might not be able to see that right now. So for you to be able to say like, listen, this is really hard to not be close to you. And so I'm going to step away. But I want you to know that no matter what, at any point, if you are ready to talk about this, if you need help, if you need support, I will be there for you without judgment. And I think that's really important for you to be able to say is, I am going to be there for you and I'm going to help you. And I am not going to judge you at all. Because I think that that's what happens in the isolation is that as your friends are leaving and they're saying, well, you've done this to me and you're not friends with me anymore, that you feel like, well, I can't go back to them now because they're going to be like, well, I told you so.
0: Well, another thing you can't do is you can't talk a bunch of shit on the other person, right? Yes.
1: You can't be like, he's such an asshole. She sucks
0: so bad, right? Like you can't talk about the partner because then they feel like they have to defend the partner. Yes. And sometimes they end up going back to them. Exactly. Right. So make it about the, make it about your friend, not about the other person. Yes.
1: Yeah. Okay. These. And so that's what I would say is like, both things can be true. You can be really upset. You can be really angry. This could be creating a lot of distance. And at the same time, if they decide that they do want help and they want support for you to let them know, I am here for you, no matter how much distance there has been, no, no matter how long it has been since we've talked, I am here for you. If you ever need to reach out to me and I will not judge you when you come to me with that, that. Is support that you're able to give to them, so that when they're ready, they can get out of that relationship and they aren't isolated in it. All right, ready for the next one? Yes. Dear M and Jen, hey, hey.
0: <laughs> I like hey. they said, hey, the next question. <laughs> Hello, how are you? Hey, <laughs> I'm feeling lately in the weirdest place in my marriage. My husband and I got married so young, twenty. And had two babies immediately. We were best friends for years before. We've been in therapy for a couple of years now. And our fighting has significantly gone down. And we've been able to communicate so much better. I'm in a place, though, where it feels like we're just going through the motions. And the spark and sexual desire isn't there at all. I'm 27. And my hormones and everything are great. So it's not that. I've done so much personal work over the past three years. And I'm a completely different person than I was years ago. He's the literal best dad, but it feels like I live in a house with my best friend and we're raising kids, but lacking all intimacy. It's been hard to reflect on. We've both both put so much work through therapy. We date, take trips together, go to church and serve together. I just feel stuck between a rock and a hard place. I'm wondering how much they talk about this. Yeah. You got married at 20 years old developmentally, that's actually not even a full adult. Your gray matter isn't even fully formed in your brain, right? You have five more years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So like that you have to keep in mind that most people start having really good sex later on. Most people, the beginning sex of their life is actually not the best sex. And part of it is also you're going to have to figure out, you just said I have completely changed, Right, I've done so much personal work over the past three years. Has that include sexuality work? Yeah. Do you know what you like? Do you know how to please yourself? Do you know how to communicate that to your partner? One of the things we want to talk about is that arousal precedes desire. You can read a lot more about this in Emily Nagowski's book, Comes You Are. But one of the things we'll talk about is that for many, many, many women, especially women that have careers and children and long term marriages, they don't just Feel the desire maybe that you felt like when you used to look at your husband before. But when your body feels aroused, it remembers that it does desire the other person. So am I allowing there to be opportunities for arousal? And do I like the sex that I'm having with my partner? Yeah. Have we grown in our sex life the way we've grown in our marriage? Which means trying new things, experimenting, thinking about what you like sexually and exploring those and then letting your partner in
1: I like what you said about like how much are you talking about this? Cause I know that this person is saying, you know, we're we're in therapy. That doesn't necessarily mean you're talking about your sex life. And I think communication around your sex is so important, whereas when you were 20, maybe you didn't have to communicate about it, right? Like maybe you were you were young, you didn't have as much responsibility. Like it was so much easier. The lust was there. And so now that you have responsibilities, you have so much to think about, right? Your, your communication around your sex life has to increase. Um, and so that building on that communication work around sex, I think is really important. And I wonder how comfortable you feel doing so and how how comfortable your partner feels with that. If you haven't brought it up in couples therapy, I would bring it up in couples therapy. Um, It's also possible, and you can talk to your couples therapist about this, to see if your couples therapist feels comfortable talking about sex. Um, They really should, but many don't. Many don't, right? Unfortunately, it's fucked up, but that is the way it is. (laughs) Because sex is a huge part of your relationship, um, and sexuality is a huge part of who you are. Another thing I want to say about that part, ask your therapist if they have training
0: in sex therapy. Right. Right. Because these are two different things to be comfortable talking about sex and have training in it. Because sometimes if someone's just comfortable, then they have their own bias and they're not able to, like, actually know how to work within sex in a marriage. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. But, like, unfortunately. That's okay.
1: No, it's true. There's
0: people that say, like, oh, I'm a couples therapist with zero
1: training in this. Yeah. And and that often happens. Mm-hmm. Um, And it's such an important, clearly this is the big thing that's missing, right? And so you have worked on everything else. And if your couples therapist is not trained in sex therapy, um, then it might be important to, to move on to someone who is trained in sex therapy. If everything else feels like it's working and mm-hmm. sex is, is the one place where it's difficult to communicate about, you don't feel like you've grown together in it. And we really mean that when we say grow together sexually, because what you want sexually can change, what you're communicating sexually can change, um, how you feel sexually can change, how your partner feels. And so growing together, not just as a couple, but growing together sexually is also important. Yep. Are you ready? I'm ready. Do you want me to do it? You want to switch off? Yeah, yeah, switch it off, baby. <laughs>
0: also my voice. Can you hear my voice? I apologize. Yeah, yeah. I
1: got you. It's no problem. Uh, it's beautiful. Your voice is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Em and Jen. I love your podcast. Thank you. I'm seeking some advice from you both regarding my situation. I've been together with my boyfriend for over a year. About four months into our relationship, he told me that before we got together, he got another girl pregnant. It was a one-night stand that by no means he is proud of. He is not a guy who sleeps around or has many girlfriends. Regardless, the woman and him spoke after the night about her taking Plan B. She came up with a lot of excuses from a female side that never means, such as taking for Plan B. She was three weeks late for her period. She is a nurse and never got a pregnancy test done till after three weeks. She made passes at him that summer that they would have good-looking babies, and then all of a sudden she ends up pregnant after one night. They get a paternity test done because, shocker, she lied that she was broken up from her boyfriend. It states that my boyfriend is the father. He has tried to step up, but she is using the baby as leverage and won't let him come see her without many Mm -hmm. stipulations, such as always being in her presence. Her family is there, and they can't meet at the park because it's too hot. This is all coming from a woman who never even told him that the baby was born until eight days later when he asked her for an update. She is clearly very manipulative and has lied about many things. He still has yet to meet the baby, but of course wants to be in her life. We have made my entire guest bedroom and nursery for this baby and have agreed that we want to make this work. Our relationship is amazing. However, I just don't know what to do about taking next steps when none of this is figured out. And ultimately, the mother's a lot of drama has said some very immature and rude things to him, lies and manipulates. Do I continue to move forward? If so, how? How do I change my mindset to not let it affect our relationship and my thoughts? Thank you for any help. I truly appreciate it. Okay, immediate response is get a lawyer. Yeah. (laughs) Immediate (laughs)
0: response for your partner to get a lawyer and for there to be a custody agreement that, there is, you know, fairness and equality with this, right? Yeah. Like, like many responses, like, there has to be some legal intervention. Okay. Second, let's pretend that happens and that your partner gets joint custody, whatever. You are making a big commitment. This will a- affect you the rest of your life. When you say, How do I change my mindsets to not let it affect our relationship? That's impossible. Yeah. This will affect your relationship. Your entire life, because children do that, whether they're biological or stepchildren. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Right. If you commit to someone, you're also committing that I'm going to be around to help you with this. So when your partner is stressed out about the baby, you're going to have to be there to help. Yeah. And that isn't a problem, but it's something you have to think about. Are you ready for it and ready to commit to? Because this person is not, you know, you're not legally married or anything like that. So you have to decide if I'm going to commit into this or if I'm not. And that's a very, very personal decision. But you say in this, our relationship is great, right? Like our relationship, I don't know, I can't fight. My relationship is amazing is the word that you used. That's great. Would you really want to end it because of this other thing that the other person really didn't have any control over? And so, how do you continue to move forward? I think one, there has to be um a better system in place, and the better system in place would come with a custody agreement,
1: yeah, uh, and I think acknowledging that this is part of the relationship because if you deny it and say okay i'm I'm going to commit to this relationship, but I'm not going i i'm I'm not going to commit to this part." right? That does have a child and that this is part of his life. Um, and if you deny that part and you get into the relationship and this continues to build and build and build, and you realize that it continues to affect the relationship, what's going to be unfair is the resentment that you hold and take out on your partner. When a de- it was a decision that you are making to continue the relationship, knowing that this is a part of who This person is right as much as it was a surprise and as much as it, you know, it might feel unfair to him. This is the reality of the situation. So for you to be able to say, if I'm taking my partner, I'm also taking the situation. And that's what happens when we get into relationships, right? We marry our partner. We marry their family
0: unfortunately,
1: uh, (laughs) for (laughs) for many people. It just is how it is. For many people, it's unfortunate. Yes. And so when you make a decision to commit to your partner, you're also making a decision to commit to their circumstances, whether that's their family, whether that's debt that they're in, whether that's like, and and these are very real things that I don't think we talk about enough Mm -hmm. when we're committing to our relationship because we think about, oh, it's, you know, it's marriage, it's rainbows and butterflies. And like, sometimes it is, but also you're also... Agreeing to a life that you had no control over. And I'm sorry, I have to move Nellie. She's just. <laughs> cat is
0: running all over the place. All over the place. A I'm sorry. Girl. little
1: interlude. Uh, she just wants to be on the podcast. So, of bad. course. And so, for you to be able to say, I'm making this commitment and I am committing to their family, their circumstances, so that. You're not expecting something to change. And when it doesn't change, you're getting angry at your partner. Yeah, I, I I just
0: think there is a messiness of this situation that also probably makes it more overwhelming. And this is a really messy situation. It would be less messy with a custody agreement, um, especially depending on I don't know what state this person lives in. It, it's different laws everywhere. But consult a lawyer and then consult your heart. Am wow. I right? I mean, really, because like, am I am I going to do this? And you have to make a decision with that, but it's not going to be that this shit don't affect you because this is going to affect you forever. <laughs> right? Yes, Okay. us Okay, let's do one last one because the next one I, I think we could get to quickly and I want to make sure we do. Okay, I'm ready. Ready. Dear Emma Jen, I'm a single foster mom to a super cute one-year-old girl. I went from single with zero kids to single with a baby overnight. I feel incredibly alone because nobody understands the nuances of the situation. People with kids think they get it, but they aren't typically parenting a child with trauma who they haven't known for their whole lives. And other foster parents are typically married, so they have a partner to lean on when it gets hard, like every day. How should I, one, ask for help, and two, mitigate these extreme feelings of loneliness because nobody else gets it? How do I also learn to give myself grace throughout this process and not feel like I have to prove to everyone that I have to do it on my own? First of all, you're amazing.
1: Oh, my God. What a you're beautiful amazing. thing
0: to do for this world. You ask for help by saying, I need help. And you do not need people to understand to give you help and support. No one, what you're in is a very specific, nuanced situation other people are not gonna get. But you don't need them to understand it to give direction. Hey, what I need help with is a laundry. What I need help with is to come over and play with the baby while I take a nap. What I need a little help with is um, giving me a break so I can shower, right? Specific things. And
1: asking for help in a situation like this, you're gonna to have to be very specific. I also think two of these questions tie together. How mm-hmm. should I ask for help and not feel like I have to prove to everyone that I can do it on my own? So my question for you would be, is where does that come from for you, right? This sense of, I have to prove that I can do this on my own. Where? You know, as human beings, we're built for community. We're built for connection. That doesn't necessarily mean a romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. That does not mean that you need to have a romantic partner in order to build that for yourself. You can build a community of friends, family. I'm surprised there's not more support groups out there. And maybe there is. Maybe there is support yeah. groups for this. And that's well, something. Well, she said
0: that a lot of other foster parents have a partner. Right, I want to right. find
1: I want to find a group for single you know foster parents. Yeah. If
0: anyone has one, can you write it in so we can yeah. give it can to the person? Yeah. Can you write it in?
1: Yeah. But I just I w- I just want to validate the fact that you're human and just because you're asking for help doesn't mean you can't do it. You know, I think that there's this sense of it's either one or the other. I either can do this all on my own or I'm failing if I'm asking for help. Where Just as a human being, we all need help, right? And having a foster child that has trauma, right? There there might be more support that you need than you're allowing yourself to admit. And that does not in any way mean that you're failing Mm -hmm. or that you're not doing it right or that you can't do it.
0: Becoming a parent is, there's so much vulnerability. So if you are someone who struggles with vulnerability, it's gonna be an incredibly triggering situation. And it's amazing you're thinking about this child's trauma, but how about your own? Any time of life stage is going to bring it up again. And so something for you to also consider and to think about is in some ways is keeping telling yourself that nobody gets it a way of avoiding vulnerability. You don't need people to get it. Jen is not a mom. She does not get some of the mother stuff and is still one of the best supports I've ever had with it. going
1: can make me cry again.
0: Stop. Sometimes you need someone who is well-rested and not traumatized by parenthood to show up and help you. (laughs) I am well-rested. You are well-rested and well-caffeinated.
1: Both things are true.
0: So I want you to think about if you had someone, if you had a magical uh, fairy angel that could come in and help you throughout the day, what do they do? And then how do I ask for those specific helps? Write it down. I always say,
1: like, we should, as women, have like a commune that we all live on.
0: Well, momunes are getting bigger. They're called momunes, and they're like getting like way more um, normalized. Can I come? I'm sure you can. You would be invited to mine. That's for darn
1: sure. Thank you. If you start <laughs> one, can I still? Can I Absolutely. still join?
0: Absolutely. Except for here's the issue: you, it's not going to be in a city, and you like living in a city, right? It's like Mom Yoon's, I believe. Oh, come. come, maybe that's not true. Maybe we could get a bunch of townhouses together.
1: Oh, that'd be nice. That also
0: sounds lovely. And okay. also, I could
1: just go home. You know, I'll just come visit. How about I'll just come visit <laughs> and I'll go home when I'm you're ready not gonna to go come. home? You're not going to come. Because <laughs> you
0: don't want to leave your house no matter what. <laughs> I'm not coming. I'll send a you're postcard.
1: Not. I'll check in. Coming. I'll check yeah, in to see how it's going.
0: <laughs> Listen, we hope that you're going to have the most amazing new year ever. We're glad we could catch up on some of these, um, dear M and Jens. Um, we are so excited to spend the next year with you. You are all wonderful. If you're listening to this podcast, you're working on growing and knowing some parts about yourself. That is an amazing admiral thing, and we are so thrilled to be a tiny, tiny little speck on that journey. Thank you for listening today. We always ask you to rate, review, subscribe, follow on Apple Podcasts. You can check us out at Shrink Chicks, merch at shrinkchicks.com slash merch. We have a a, a journal on Amazon. But really, what we would love is to set you up with an amazing clinician. If it is starting of your year and you're like, shit, I better get into some therapy, check us out at therapygroup.com. We'd love to match you. Jen and I do all the matching ourselves send us over an email and a contact form. We'd love to be connected. Jen,
1: you have anything else to add in for the end of the year? Thank you for listening. We appreciate you all more than you know. We appreciate your vulnerability and all the questions you write in. Thank you for following along with us throughout these four years of doing this. And don't forget to grow yourself. You got to know yourself. See we'll you next see you next week. week.